You're listening to the Viral Volley Podcast Podcast. Now here's your host, Rob, on the mic. Uh, welcome back to yet another episode of College Volleyball Weekly. This time, the continued conversation on the Volleyball Volley Podcast. And, you know, we lost one of our guys from our uh, previous uh, piece, but we still got Jay Hosick at George Mason and jumping in with perfect timing, head coach Dan Fran of Lewis. Thanks for coming back on, guys. Thanks. Well, we just finished week three action. I wanted to get your guys' take on some of the action. But before we talk about that, we were talking about Long Beach State. Uh, you know, pretender, contender, they got some great pieces in place. And we know that they are deep, but unfortunately there is a collateral effect of having such deep talent. It lost the top recruit in the nation, you know, from what I can gather on the chatter, and it's con- confirmed from a pretty reliable a source. Kliston Lawrence uh, has stepped away from the team and um, it just speaks to you, you know, he was the talk of the recruits. And if your team is that deep where he's like, you know what, I'd rather just play pro ball. You know, it says how good that team is, but I wanted to get the coaches take here and we'll start with you, Dan. Well, certainly we played Long Beach and they have a talented group and Nikolai is really good, but they also have some other great pieces with Clark and uh, Spencer and Aiden running the show and they, their libero is phenomenal. Do you know what I mean? So he did a fantastic job against yeah, Mason top. Briggs is insane. Uh, what I can see. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if we talked enough about him. Uh, you know, earlier, because he was certainly a difference maker in our match from that standpoint. But I don't know, with with that thing with Kristen, I mean, ultimately, he's probably got his own reasons in terms of that. And maybe we can speculate that it's a talent, that maybe there's a couple other things going on that we're not aware of, whether it be stooling or personal or family stuff. But maybe this was just the better route for him at the time. You know what I mean? uh, He's able to get in and maybe make some money. And he saw the depth in front of him. But I think that's a tough one. I think as a coach, you always like you're on the outside speculating and not really know the inner works of what's actually going on in a program. And uh, he may have ended on a great note with those guys and just had to make a different life choice from that standpoint. And so I respect that. And certainly, I mean, Long Beach is talented. So from a volleyball standpoint, I think they're okay. So. <laughs> How about you, Jay? What's your take on that? I, I, I agree a hundred percent with Dan. It's, it's all speculation. We don't know what the discussions were behind the scenes. You know, Clisson could have had, uh, you know, a family issue and, and needed to make some money quickly and that, hey, you know what? I, I got to put my education on hold. I got to go make some money, help out the family. We don't know if there was a medical issue. We don't know if there was, you know, if he was just upset. We don't know if it was amicable or not. I mean, there's so many things. So the speculation is just that. Um, but here's the scary part. You have a top recruit in the country. And over, over the years, historically, if you are the top, recruit in the country chances of you playing in your first year probably pretty good i mean there's a few that come to mind uh but just think about that for a second the number one recruit in the country couldn't find the court yeah that's pretty scary now whether again that was because he made the decision earlier and said i can't i gotta go and then the other guys just got the playing time or literally he was in the gym and was not on the starting court that's scary uh, and that that triple-headed beast of uh, God Bold, Olivier, and Nikoloff. Uh, and you're right, and Briggs, we don't give that kid enough love. Uh, and Aiden Knight, sl- you know, Aiden Knight slinging the, the rock around like a, like a gunslinger. That's pretty fun to watch. So it's good volleyball right now. Maybe we, we make Mason Briggs the TJ Murray of the Lewis team last year. We just drop his name in every episode. Somehow, drop his name all the time. <laughs> 
Um, oh, Jay, Jay made a good point, though. We're going to talk about it with some other teams as we go throughout the year, but the COVID effect of still having these lingering players and maybe recruits coming in that are pretty talented that maybe don't touch the, the floor quite yet, and then can they survive? You know what I mean? It, it, through the pandemic and waiting their turn to get on the floor in terms of that stuff. And uh, it'll be interesting to see that kind of lingering effect that that'll have a little bit on some of the talent and certainly won't make teams any less good or anything. It's just like, it's just what it is. So. Yeah. Well, with that, you know, uh, let's go into the action in week three. And uh, one of the early matches of the week was one of those shocker results. And I uh, would have mentioned in our volleyballmag.com piece, but, Princeton taking UC Santa Barbara at Santa Barbara in four early on in the week. Uh, ben Harrington, 14 kills, 346, hitting 346, two aces and three block assists. Um, did you guys get to check the match at all or did you have any thoughts on it? And we'll start with you, Dan. Well, I, I didn't get to watch the match live, uh, but I certainly think as many teams, uh, Santa Barbara is had a couple pieces missing at times. Uh, and this doesn't discredit Princeton at all. Then you see uh, Santa Barbara get a win against Pepperdine. You know what I mean? In terms of that. And so they're trying to figure out the pieces and what's the best flow. And then you have Princeton who ultimately opens up their season after, I don't know, 600 days and comes out on this gnarly road trip to start figuring things out. And, uh, you know, they probably put some nice pieces together over this next, you know, was this their third match while they were out there? I'm trying to think. So, yep. Um, you know, and so they put a, a nice match. They've got some talented kids on that team. So I'm not surprised at all that they beat Santa Barbara in that sense. And, you know, Ben Harrington did some nice things for them. And we'll probably get into it. And then we talk about Damian beat Princeton. You know what I mean? In terms of that. And that was a significant thing for them. You know what I mean? So I, I think when I talked about this, this, this range of teams after you get out of the top echelon of seven, eight, however you want to look at it. I think there's going to be a lot of this and that's good for volleyball. You know what I mean? Lots of good competitions, lots of talented players. So uh, kudos to Princeton for getting a win out there against Santa Barbara uh, in terms of that. And I thought they, they, they put a string of uh, games together though. So. Yep. How about you, Jay? Yeah. I, if you know Princeton at all, they're, they're a program that has been steadily building for the last you know 10 years or so. And Sam has done such a fantastic job of building that program up. You know, they, and, and if you don't know what they do in this January, they don't stay in a hotel together as a group. They all kind of break apart. They have a lot of guys from California there and they have a lot of families that host the teams and, you know, they're kind of spread out. They're not really all in one little place. So for them to come together and then, you know, figure out the chemistry on top of all that at the same time, it's a pretty nice win, but yeah, I'm not surprised that Princeton beat Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara is a good team, but so is Princeton. And if anybody thinks that's an upset, they're, they're not, they don't see it correctly. Um, and then, you know, Damon did such a nice job of just, you know, Don Gleason's built that team in the last few years and they've got some kids that can play the game at a high level and he's coached them up real well. And you know what, good for them. You know, that that's, it just shows that volleyball is growing across the country and Mount Olive doing their thing and Damon doing their thing, you know, pretty soon we're going to be talking about SIAC teams like this. And that's cool. I think that's pretty fun to watch. So, um, yeah, kudos to all those guys going out there and, and handling the business. Yep. <clears throat> well, with that, I kind of inserted my match that caught my eye. But what matches caught your eyes in week three? And we'll start with you, Dan. Well, it's certainly uh, Ohio State, UCLA, USC, Penn State, that whole grouping of matches. I, it was pretty – I wanted to see how Penn State would respond on a trip. And uh, – I think they played well at times, but I thought they'd come out of there with a split. 
Uh, and then Ohio State without Saponis, ultimately coming out of there with a win against SC after SC had beat Penn State and battling five to UCLA. So uh, I think Birch did a nice job with his guys and getting them prepared. And uh, I, disappointed is the wrong word with Penn State. I just think I want to see them take that next step against that level. But that's part of making those travel trips and things like that. It's like, hey, guys, we're playing great in our bubble. How do we take this next step against these other teams? And that's a big growth step. So my guess is a little bit – they have another trip, I believe, coming up this next week and we'll probably talk about it. So it'll be key to see how those guys respond uh, in terms of, hey, can they put a W in their pocket on this next West Coast trip for them uh, in terms of how they're trying to take some growth step. But, yeah, yeah. those matches were great. There was some really good volleyball, um, you know, in terms of, you know, numbers. What? The kid from USC had 30 kills. That's Simon <laughs> Gallus, 30 Simon kills, Gallus. two errors. 583 yeah so uh pretty impressive so uh he, he certainly had a match for those guys in terms of that so but uh, but that was certainly the those those grouping of matches from that standpoint and we got to go play usc ucla and so that'll be big in terms of us how we respond along with pepperdine so right how about you jay <clears throat> yeah no i i <laughs> first of all i'm gonna shout out to my uc santa cruz banana slugs going forward with stanford good for you guys <laughs> um you know, I'm going to fall on the sword here. I, I called that Penn State was going to go 2-0 and last week, and, uh, you know, it was I had the numbers backwards. They went 0-2, but I don't think it's because Penn State is not that good. If, if anybody thinks that Penn State's not a good team and they don't deserve to be ranked where they are, you, you don't understand men's volleyball. And, and I'll put it on par with this. Your national team head coach and UCLA head coach said that Penn State was the number one team in the country playing volleyball right now or at least one or two. And it's absolutely true. They just did not play well. UCLA handled them. Uh, and Ethan Champlin uh, was a big, large part of that. That kid's really good. So, you know, Penn State took the losses. They're, they're going to learn from that stuff. They've got two big matches coming up this week, and Long Beach is going to be a handful, obviously. But Santa Barbara is a team that it can, they're kind of streaky. They're going to be really good one night, maybe not so good the next night, depending on who's playing. And I think that, again, you know, we, we touch upon all the time with COVID and injuries. But I think it's going to be two more really good matches for Penn State to see where they match up. I'll tell you what else I was watching and, and was impressed by. I'm really impressed with Long Beach. I, I think the fact that you've got a three-headed monster and their pin hitters, you've got a libero that's arguably the best in the country. you got a setter who's just slinging it from all over the place. They're just a lot of fun to watch. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do this year. I also was impressed by BYU coming back and, and figuring a couple things out. They had a couple guys come back that were maybe healthy. We're not healthy, I mean, before, um, and they look markedly different uh, than they did the first week that I saw them. So BYU is uh, is back on the trail, and we'll see what they can do the rest of the year. Yeah. Now, one of the teams we haven't really talked about too much in any of our episodes so far has been UCLA, who came out of this weekend. Of the I think they're calling it the Pac-12 Big Ten Challenge with uh, Ohio State, Penn State, USC, and UCLA, but you know, they came out two two and zero oh on the weekend. Had a five set against Ohio State on night two. But you know, what do we now know about UCLA? One of three remaining undefeated teams in NCAA Division One two volleyball. And we'll start with you, Dan. Well, we already knew they had talent for sure. Uh, but I, I think what we're seeing is uh, seeing that talent start to mesh together a little bit. So I, I'm not surprised at all. You know, we talked about Ethan Chaplin, Kevin Corbine. You know what I mean? They've got they've got some great pieces in terms of what's going on there. And so looking forward to scouting them this week. And uh, I think they're a top five team in the country, hands down. And, uh, and it'll be fun to kind of see them continue to develop, you know, so 
no surprise, you know what I mean? And uh, I think them, Penn State, Long Beach, Hawaii, uh, all teams that are super talented uh, and probably amongst that top four, Pepperdine's right in there in terms of that, so. About you, Jay, thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I'm with Dan. Obviously, UCLA is UCLA. I think the part that sticks out for me is that it, it's not any one player. It's them as a group is starting to figure some things out. Uh, Partain's doing a nice job running the offense. Honestly, Cobrian, when he's in there on the right side, brings an, a, an offensive weapon that, uh, you know, has, has matured a little bit over the last couple of years. He, I love the fact that he never cracks a smile. He doesn't get all hyped up. He just does his business and turns around and goes, you know, to the huddle and moves on. It's pretty fun to watch. But, um, yeah, UCLA is one of those teams that, you know, they're just they're just going to make you play the game at a high level for a long period of, uh, of time, for long stretches. And if you're not prepared for a, a knockdown you know, drag out fight, you know, blows back and forth, you're, you're not going to be successful on the other side of it. They're just going to put so much pressure on you from all angles. You know, UCLA brought in an opposite this year, another international player that's on my watch list, a freshman from Kiryat Atta, Israel, uh, Ido David, um, who had some good playing time on Friday night. Good to hear Anne-Marie Anderson on the call, but he was doing some good things and I had no idea I mean, obviously, we've had Tamir Hirschko at UC Irvine, but this kid is pretty darn good. Um, and he didn't even play the second night. <laughs> yeah, I think when he had 14 kills against that five-gamer against Ohio State, you know, yeah. a couple aces, yeah, it was good. Yeah. So another international player on the watch list. And uh, Simon Gallus, another one of USC, uh, upsetting Penn State. Now, I wanted to talk about that matchup particularly because you know, we do have the, the, the beast, Penn State, uh, Wildman, uh, you got Marsh who just received, I believe it was a defensive player of the week or EIBA player of the week. Um, Walter, I, these guys are playing some good ball and USC was able to pull it, pull it out. Um, pretty powerful matchup there, but then SC the next night ends up losing to Ohio state. So, um, you know, a lot of things shifting around there, uh, about talent wise. We talked about in the earlier segment, but, um, <clears throat> You guys are actually coming into this new week four. I wanted to, um, I guess, let's uh, look at the top players in week three first and then talk about our week four uh, matchups that we're watching. So uh, we'll start with you, Jay. I, I think Nikolov from Long Beach State, top player of the week, probably will be in many of the weeks. Um, against Lewis, he hit 364. And against Loyola, he hit 429. Um, you know, he's... We mentioned it earlier, 13, the team service errors for Long Beach State against Lewis was 13. Nikolov had five of them. And the service errors against Loyola, the team had 12. He had six of them. And I think it goes to prove that, you know, Long Beach has given that kid the green light. You know, win, lose, or draw, they want him to do what he does. And so, you know, he's going out, he's banging up behind the service line. It's it's a nasty-looking serve. I think I think the number seven is definitely in front of the other number, as you, if you're looking at the radar gun. Um, you know, I think the other one that we, we are overlooking, but maybe not so much on the coach's side, Don Bold's doing a real nice job. He was the top yeah. recruit there uh, when he came in, and uh, that kid's really solid. Uh, and I think, you know, UCLA, Ethan Champlin is a 6'3 outside hitter. And, you know, we, we saw him growing up and, and thought he had some real potential to be pretty good at the next level. I didn't think it would be this fast. But man, can that kid play volleyball? Uh, and he's, you know, he's just got a powerful arm. He sees the game in a high level. 
Uh, he has all the different array of shots that he can bring in his arsenal. So I think he's a lot of fun to watch. Yep. How about you, Dan? Well, certainly uh, he brought up Nikolai from Long Beach, but we talked about Mason as well. You know what I mean? He was pretty clutch on us the first night. And Mason brings, not George Mason, just for clarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, he, I mean, I think he had led both teams in digs and he was in the, you know, 16 or seven. It was pretty up there. You know what I mean? It was pretty crucial. I had some key digs in the match, especially in game two. So, um, but Simon for sure, Gallus at USC, you know, 30 kill night. Pretty, pretty huge against, uh, you know, um, uh, Penn State and getting that win. But I think the other kind of silent guy was uh, David Gardenia at BYU against uh, Irvine. Back-to-back nights, I think hitting above 400, 14, and 18 kills. And uh, those guys kind of swinging things into motion a little bit. So I think that was pretty key for them getting a couple wins uh, against your guys, Rob. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? I know. So, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think uh, certainly some performances there that were pretty good. Yeah, David Gardini had some uh, really, really good play this last weekend uh, against UC Irvine. And my guys kind of hurt, hurt, but, you know, it's okay. Um, one of the guys I'm always watching, though, on, on my end, uh, Camden Gianni of uh, Grand Canyon hit 17 kills, 333, four aces and seven digs against UC San Diego. Beat them in San Diego 3-1. So, you know, that, that was going to be a great matchup. I didn't get to watch it. Kyle McCall against Camden Gianni, I, I feel like they're some of the most – uh, entertaining outside hitters to watch in the nation just because they're on the smaller not smaller side but of like the guys that are six seven six eight six nine six ten outside hitters it's so cool to see six four six five guys battling out like this so um they're still missing uh janky right so he wasn't playing correct uh, yeah so. and they actually had another setter in so i'm not sure uh, or grand canyon had another setter in so i don't know what's happening there because hughes wasn't listed in the box score uh, it was a let's see, but Nicholas Slight was yeah, uh, he's a San, San Diego kid, so yeah, makes sense. Um, but yeah, that was one of the, the the top players. I just enjoy watching Gianni play. Obviously, the story behind his his uh, his life is pretty incredible, but he's definitely a, a high flyer and a big hitter. Um, any other matches, or should we jump to week four matches well, we, to watch? We certainly got to give some love. Uh, to the SIAC conference, as well as we talked a little bit about uh, Damian beating Princeton. So I think, uh, you know, that's a big win for a program. It's, you know, we talked about Leeson doing some great things and he's been building that program. And so we had to, you know, make sure we're touching base on that match a little bit. But uh, yeah. yeah, well, we were, we did the other piece, but is Kentucky State got their first win. Uh, it was uh, Fort Valley State that also got their first win as well. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kudos to uh, to Damon and, and Coach Don Gleason. He's doing a nice job, and that program is only going to get better. It's a hotbed of recruiting talent in that area too. So that's that's good news for them. And obviously, all the SIAC teams. You know, Larry Rather at Fort Valley State gets his first win as a head coach, and that's pretty cool. And uh, you know, I know he's really excited about the future of that program. So uh, kudos to all those guys. Yep. Let's jump over to the uh, matches we will watch, but I need to sneak this stat in there before we talk about <clears throat> in week two, or sorry, week, yeah, week two, we only had two COVID cancellations. Unfortunately, we kind of had an uptick in week three. We had uh, at least what I can find six. So we're back up, but I wanted to ask you guys about, um, you know, they're saying, you know, the, the nationwide news saying that we've seen peaks in certain areas and we're beginning to level off, but do you guys feel that that um, this is going to taper off anytime soon? 
I guess, I mean, for the volleyball fans, it's like, and, and us being involved, it's, we'll get that call 24 hours before, oh, match is canceled and you're not working again. So, or you're not playing. So, um, but what are you guys seeing in, in your regions there? Cause you're on the East coast, uh, uh, Jay, and then Daniel in the Midwest. So Jay, let's start with you. <clears throat> you know, I, I think I speak for a lot of coaches out there. I'm just, I'm so exhausted by all this and I can't even imagine the kids, the, the challenge, I think the coaches are facing is not necessarily about trying to protect, just protect our teams. It's all the periphery information and, and people that call and, and all the different protocols and all the different requests. And, you know, and when you're a coach, you're, you're supposed to be focusing on your team and the upcoming matches and scouting reports and all the stuff that comes along with being a coach. And yeah, when you're on the road, there's a couple of more things you got to deal with, you know, in terms of travel and planes and hotels and this and that. But it's just the periphery outside of that of all the people that have, you know, COVID requests or they have issues with COVID or they got this protocol against that protocol. And it just muddies up the waters. Um, and I know for a little while there, Washington, D.C. in our backyard was the hotbed of the country. And, you know, we've, we've had some COVID issues and, and dealt with some stuff just like everybody else. But we've remained relatively, uh, you know, uh, safe from it all. But just like everybody else, it's you know, you're dealing with not a full team to practice with. You're dealing with, you know, guys that are normally starters, not being able to go on road trips. And you got, you know, it's all kinds of stuff. And I'm just, I'm exhausted by it. I, I no. can't wait for the day when we don't have to wear a mask anymore, when we don't have to worry about COVID, when we don't have to do the daily assessments, all that stuff, when it's gone and we can just go back to being, you know, normal business as usual, be a, a great day. Yeah. Dan, what do you got to add there? Uh, Jay hit a lot of it, so I just I, we're we're in a region that's certainly ramped up, and you know, but everybody's reaction is so different in so many different areas, and I think that's the tough part, and it's tough for the student athlete right now as well as the coaches in terms of trying to figure out which message is being sent, you know, mm -hmm. and you you want to you want to be able to bend and flow, and you got to support your administration and your medical staffs, but. Even outside of that, you know, politically wise, the message that keeps changing and moving, do you know what I mean? And so, and I think that's the tough part is like, uh, and the student athlete is the ones that suffer more than anything, do you know what I mean? Because it's like, they change every other day about <laughs> how they want to view it. And so it's like, we get to the point where it's, it's a virus and we have to deal with it. Uh, I think that's the key thing, do you know what I mean? And so, and uh, we're seeing that with this Omnicron you know, Juan, do you know what I mean in terms of that? And uh, hopefully we can get back to a little bit more normalcy. I hope this is it the wave wise, you know what I mean? I hope we can kind of find a way to manage over the next few months. And, but on the flip side, we are playing volleyball. Yeah. Okay? So it's not like everybody's been shut down and, you know, we had that first rough week, but I don't know how many canceled cancellations were there five, six this, this last weekend. We got, yeah. yeah Went from a 20 plus in week one back down to, uh, two and then back up to six. Right. So I just, if we're playing a large percentage of these matches, then it's a win. And so I yeah. think we just got to keep moving forward and being resilient. And I think that's the important piece. So I think, I think if you talked about it 10 years ago, having 22 matches canceled, that would be nearly half of the matches across the country. Now that's not the case. So that part's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are two teams we still haven't seen yet uh, that I can confirm Charleston and Cal state Northridge. So hoping, and they're listed on the schedule this, this upcoming week. So hopefully they can see the court, assuming their COVID protocols have, uh, or they've cleared COVID protocols. So 
let's let's continue on with our, our week four matches to watch and um let's go to to uh, dan on this one first and then we'll go to there's a handful i mean you yeah. talked about northridge i think plays ucla uh and so we're going to get to see those guys play uh mm -hmm. Your guys play USC, which is great. You know I mean? Twice. Yeah. So we got the Big West Big Ten Challenge, uh, which I think is key. You're going to see Long Beach face off against Penn State and Ohio State and UC Santa Barbara face off both those guys as well. Uh, and then probably the last one I would mention would be Ball State and Hawaii. Uh, Donan's, I, I think Ball State's first real challenge. Uh, I think Donan's done a nice job with the pieces he has. They, they've got Angelo. Uh, is it Mandelaris? Mandelaris. Opposite that has reemerged after his shoulder surgery and everything, and as well as Caleb Jennings. Uh, and they've got a nice setter in Quinn who dishes a rock really well. And so, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how those battle against Hawaii and how that looks in terms of that. So, yeah, lots of good ones for sure. And I didn't want to steal them all, Jay. So, you got there's some other ones for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jay's going to say Lewis Pepperdine. I know that one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, you are you are going to hear that one. I, I am I'm actually anxious to see Lewis and Pepperdine only because that's two programs that have a loss, uh, and so they're both going to try to avenge it uh, this weekend. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You know, Dan touches on it all the time. He, he has a pretty big blocking front line at times. Um, and last time I I checked, combined, I think they're touching 148 feet uh, as a group. So. Uh, it's ridiculous how tall that team is, but I'm definitely going to be watching that. I'm really interested in Hawaii Ball State, uh, and Dan touched upon Angelo Mandelaris. The kid, it, we we were unfortunately the beneficiaries of his first match back after his shoulder surgery, uh, and he hasn't lost a step. The kid's uh, is in shape and he's good to go, and that team is really good. And, and Caleb Jennis is doing some really nice things. Uh, it, he's hitting the snot out of that ball. Uh, and he jumps really well. And so he hit some angles that we have not seen uh, in recent years. Uh, I'm definitely going to be watching that one. I'm going to be watching Penn State against Santa Barbara and against Long Beach. Um, I think Long Beach is going to be a handful. I think Penn State could beat Santa Barbara uh, if they're, if they're you know, maybe licking their wounds a little bit from this past week and use it as motivation. I really want to see Northridge against UCLA only because we haven't seen Northridge at all this year. And I know they've had some issues off the court with, with some health stuff and that's you know what everybody's dealing with but it'll be interesting to see what they do uh and then last but not least charleston because we haven't seen charleston either it's going to be fun to see them i know they got a couple of good kids from australia on that team their head coach is obviously from australia and australia in recent years has started to send some kids to the states that know how to play the game pretty well so uh you might see a little influx of the old the old aussies from down under coming into the united states yeah, yeah. Paul Carroll, the uh, assistant head coach at Pepperdine from Australia. Tommy Hodges, back in the Pacific days, and then finished out his career at UC Irvine. So, uh, got some good talent from uh, down in the South Pacific. Um, one of the matches that was on my radar, I think I didn't realize it was called the Pack or the Big West Pack or Big Ten Challenge, but uh, Ohio State at Long Beach State. I guess part of that match um, on the women's side of things. There is a, a gathering to meet or a meet and greet for Tyler Hildebrand, the new coach of the Long Beach State women's program and his staff. So um, there's gonna be a lot of pomp and circumstance outside the Walter pyramid and then into the match. So, um, but if I wasn't working my own match that night, that's one of the ones I'd want to be at just to see both Ohio State and Penn State because a good crew haven't seen in a while Birch and of course have in a long time. So uh, 
you know, see the, the big West guys enough, but uh, you know, definitely some good volleyball being played in the Walter pyramid. Well, isn't um, Nick, isn't Nick like associate head coach for both teams now? So yeah, Nick, double the right? paycheck, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, double the yeah. paycheck. That's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty heavy load to haul. Uh, being, being an associate head coach uh, on one division one team is enough in its own right. Being it for two on both sides when you're year round now, I mean, in recruiting on the women's side, that's a, that's a massively big undertaking. So well, kudos, you know, I, think he, I don't think he has to recruit as much. I think he's, his more focus is on the teams on the court, but still it doesn't matter. I mean, it's like, yeah. It's a uh, lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Yep. Well, anything else that we missed gentlemen? No, oh. we need to drop in there. All right. Well, with that, that concludes episode three of the viral volley podcast version of college volleyball weekly on the jump over from call uh, volleyballmag.com so again be sure to check the uh streaming matches uh resource over at volleyballmag.com and uh you know thanks to jay hosick of george mason and dan a friend of lewis and, and we're talking behind dave hunts back of pepperdine because uh dan's playing dave and we were really pulling for dan we just didn't want dave to know about it <laughs> just kidding dave because i know you're gonna listen to this uh, but hey, thanks for coming on again, gents. Thank you, Chris.